Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you on Vindication Day number two? Hey, are you okay? I'm okay, and you know what? <laughs> it's Friday. <laughs> it is Friday. We need to fit that in. The to. New York Times, finally. It, yeah! The skies have opened. It reminds me of Ghostbusters. Oh, Dogs oh, and cats oh, are friends. Oh, oh. Every it's like the, the seven plagues of the apocalypse. I don't know what's because at the end of the world, the New York Times finally comes out yesterday, shockingly, and writes a story about what we've been talking about forever. Wow. That the Trump campaign was spied on. This is like an this is such an amazing thing. They tell you, don't say like and don't say um, but this is a like um. I can't believe what's going on. Cause I'm flabbergasted. I will get into this in detail today. Here it is All in right. short. New York Times yesterday, understanding fully that Bill Barr, the attorney general, is about to blow the lid off the Obama administration spying on the Trump team. There's your lead right there. The New York Times gets leaked a story to get out ahead of it to try to frame the story, as I discussed yesterday, the art of framing a story, to start to frame the story the FBI's way. There, no, Nobody now anymore is denying what I've been telling you for two years, that the government tried to entrap George Papadopoulos, who was a member of the Trump team and spy on him and Carter Page and others. Nobody. The New York Times is now fully acknowledging it and acknowledging it. And they're trying to frame it, Joe, as, quote, it only happened during a frantic period to determine the scope of Russia's attempt to disrupt the 2016 election. Yeah, BS. Yeah, yeah, nothing yeah. to do with frantic anything. Again, this was had everything to do. I have this written down here right in front of me. This was entrapment from the start. What did I tell you? I told you Papa D, yeah. Papa Dizzle, George was the key to this whole thing. And I was right. They now admit Papadopoulos was spied on and that in September he was lured overseas to London. You know what, Joe? Let's get the story from Papadopoulos. Let's call Papadopoulos call right him? now on yeah. the air. Let's see what he, let's call him. All right. This, I'm not a joke, no. folks. Joke. George Papadopoulos. I'm not messing. Let's call him. Hello? Hey, George. Sorry to bother you. I know it's, uh, what, 6 o'clock your time in Los Angeles. So on the air live for my show, and I figured I, I'm not making this up for my audience. I wanted to call and get the story from you direct. Now, I've had you on the show before. You mind taking a second? You're, I know it's a speakerphone, and it's probably not going to sound great, but I had a couple of questions for you. You okay answering them? Absolutely, Dan. George, let me also, by the way, say, folks, George has, is the author of a, if you haven't read his book, Deep State Target, Available on Amazon. I kid you not. You there? Thank you, there Paul, for throwing that up on the screen on YouTube. Um, if you haven't read his book, Deep State Target, you're missing the whole story. So please pick that up. I'll put it in the show notes today. So, George, we now know, as you and I have said forever, um, that you were set up, you were entrapped, and you were spied on by the FBI. Now, this New York Times article yesterday... You predicted and said in your book a long time ago that the people you had showed up at this meeting in London in September, Azra Turk and Halper, we know Halper was an intelligence asset, but Azra Turk, who the New York Times now admits was working with our intelligence community, now admits she was an intelligence asset. Why were you suspicious of Azra Turk when she showed up at that meeting? Yeah, that's a great question, Dan. Um, so... I guess a lot of it was just having a good sixth sense and, uh, and a little bit about working in uh, the Middle East for a while when I used to work in the energy business over there. And you just get to meet a lot of uh, these type of characters that you later find out were agents of some sort. And Azra Turk just fit this uh, profile completely um, as a Turkish agent. So I don't think she was actually FBI 
like the New York Times characterizes her as. I think uh, she was probably CIA and might have had links to uh, Turkish intelligence because um, she was a Turkish national. She didn't speak English properly. Her role was there to basically seduce me um, and to basically probe me about two things. One, my uh, professional background in the energy business in the Middle East, which Turkey was a competitor in, in the project I was working in. And the second thing to basically try and slip me up and make me say something that, of course, I had no knowledge of, and that was uh, the Russians and Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, she was using tradecraft and, uh, you know, basically trying to hold my hand, tell me that if you just tell me what I want to know, you know, we could do something else, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so so you think this was a traditional, like, honeypot type trap that she was trying to yeah. use? Uh, so just to be clear, you think she was doing two things, to cultivate you, but secondly, to bait you in on this Russia question. No, this, this is a question a couple of my uh, listeners sent to me on Twitter and on email. How quickly into this conversation with Azra Turk, you meet her, I guess Halper introduces her, hey, this is Azra, whatever it may be. How quickly before she hits you with the Russia question? Oh, it was really fast. And, uh, you know, it's something that uh, shocked me because, um, you know, she's the one who invites me to this bar uh, right when I get to London. I'm not even with Halper initially, I'm with her. And, uh, you know, she's just... You know, you could tell she's just very uh, suggestive and uh, flirty, which never made sense to me because, um, you know, I'm, I'm supposedly there to do a paper for Cambridge University, and that's a really serious uh, university, obviously. So the last thing you're going to have are these type of uh, assistants flirting with you and not really understanding what the project you're working on is. And she asked me within like 20 minutes about this Russia stuff. That, of course, is absurd. And by that point, obviously, by September 2016, considering I had been living in London and uh, for a long time and the British were obviously, uh, you know, spying on the campaign, as the president himself suggested, they, they, they knew who my contacts were and they knew I had nothing to do with Russia by September of 2016. So whatever she was trying to extract from me, clearly, in my opinion, was uh, was maybe having me slip up, say something just to impress her and then uh, hurt the campaign. But I don't think they had any they, they had any uh, reason to believe I was connected to the Russians by September of 2016. Oh, I, I, I have no doubt about that. All right, because the audio is going to be a little weird, I, I just had to call you on my cell phone here. I want to get to the bottom of this. This is going to be the strangest interview ever. You are the only two-time guest on my show. You're the only guest ever, as a matter of fact. It's um, an honor, man. Well, thank you. But, well, you know, we, Joe's laughing in the back. We always said Papa D is the key. Uh, one more quick oh, thing for you. I... I think you and I both know this is just one piece. You were, you've been set up. You have been the key to this from the start. I don't even yep. think, George, Azra Turk is the biggest story here. I think the biggest story coming is the initial meeting with you and Joseph Mifsud, who the Democrats and the liberal media hacks have continued to insist was working with Russian intelligence to give you information on Hillary or whatever. And you and I, from the start, based on heavy research and you having been there personally— have have been pretty insistent that Mifsud's connections are to friendlies who were likely trying to set you up. Do you or do you not think Joseph Mifsud was a Russian asset? I think that Joseph Mifsud was uh, clearly Western intelligence, and I'm uh, zeroing in on probably who he was working for directly, and I'll give you some inside information that uh, people here in America aren't covering, but in Italy they are covering, and luckily my wife's Italian and she's uh, reading the newspapers over there. But the new story about Mifsud is that uh, when I met him at Link Campus in Rome, <clears throat> when I was uh, brought over to Link Campus, this FBI CIA school, by the old company I used to work for, who this uh, FBI intermediary suggested I go to Rome to meet with, uh, 
this guy, Vincenzo Scotti, who was the former Italian foreign minister, and he was also the director at the spy school. Uh, Mifsud's lawyer came out in an Italian newspaper last week and stated that this guy was forcing Mifsud to introduce me or to set me up with fake Russians for, to create some sort of bizarre uh, conspiracy with Trump and the Russians. So Mifsud's lawyer is going out with new information about how people were prodding Mifsud to set me up. And this is a huge bombshell. Oh, and, oh is it ever? And, I think you just broke know. news, buddy. Yeah, I think, no, no, you absolutely did, because this isn't being covered anywhere in America. So this is definitely uh, a bombshell, I'm, I'm letting you know now. And the only way I know about it is because my wife's Italian, and she uh, and she's from there. But what's happened is this uh, university, Link Campus, is now currently under investigation. And uh, when President Trump called the Italian prime minister last week, it wasn't a coincidence, by the way, because uh, there, there are new investigations now being launched by the Italian parliament into Mifsud and into this spy school link campus to see if the Itali if Italian intelligence was coordinating with the with uh, friendlies or even the FBI itself when Mifsud was interacting with Whoa. me. So a lot a lot of big news is coming Whoa. out of Italy. A lot of big news is coming out of Italy. It was in this newspaper called Il Foglio, uh, F O L G I O. If anybody could simply do a Google Translate, I'm sure you could see these articles that have been coming out the last week. But it's a bombshell, and uh, I, I think there's a reason it's not being covered here in America, but I'm just dropping you a huge uh, piece of information. Wow. All right, listen, George, it's early out in L.A., so get some sleep. Thanks for answering the phone. I appreciate it. Um, and make sure to plug your book again. You're the man, buddy. Thanks a lot. Thanks See you later. Bye-bye. You got Thanks it. See you. All right. All right, folks, please pick up George's book. I know. He answers the phone at 6 o'clock <laughs> in the morning L.A. time. Uh, George Papadopoulos, author of Deep State Target, please pick that book up. It is um, incredible, to say the least. So uh, that's there we go, folks. We have been vindicated again. I don't listen. This is not some celebratory pat on the back. I really don't care. I just love my country and the constitutional republic. And I'd like to think we don't spy on American citizens like George Papadopoulos, whether you love him or hate him. I like George. He's a friend. But whether you're a liberal, a media figure, a media hack, or someone who dislikes Papadopoulos incredibly, are, is he not an American citizen entitled to you know freedom from being spied on by his government for doing absolutely nothing wrong? There's the article oh. in the New York Times yesterday. Adam Goldman, Michael Schmidt, and Mark Mazzetti. FBI sent, I know, I love this show, investigator <laughs> posing as assistant to meet with Trump aide in 2016. Here's what the headline should have read. The FBI sent a spy to spy, spy on George Papadopoulos. All right, I'm going to get into more of this now in a minute. I have some snippets from the New York Times piece. I want to hat tip uh, Sean Davis uh, and, and all of the people. But Sean Davis took these uh, screenshots. These are not mine. I took them off his Twitter account. So uh, Sean Davis of The Federalist. Um, I also want to hat tip Kim Strassel, who has an amazing piece in The Wall Street Journal today right. about what, what people have to fear about the Bill Barr investigation. But here are a couple of key takeaways from this New York Times story. So we now know conclusively, Leeds, Papadopoulos, Trump team member, was spied on. Period. Full stop. All in caps, okay? Um, screenshot number one here from the piece is critical. Uh, it shows that the, the Ameri it says the American government's affiliation with the woman, talking about Azra Turk, mm -hmm. who said her name was Azra Turk, that's not a real name, um, is one previously unreported detail of an operation that's become a political flashpoint in the face of accusations by President Trump and his allies that American law enforcement intelligence officials spied on his campaign to undermine his electoral chances. Last year, he called it Spygate. 
He's right. By the way, it's a great time to have a book out called Spygate. Which How about I that? But pick a, seriously, pick up George's book. George, he, he put in a lot of work into it. The decision to use Ezra Turk in the operation aimed at a presidential campaign official shows the level of alarm, listen, inside the FBI during a frantic period. I, I, uh, this is what they're doing, folks. Now, some of you may be wondering, why would the New York Times... Basically, co-conspirators in the narrative crime that's been committed on America. I'm using the crime facetiously, of course. But they've been gaslighting us forever. That Trump's a maniac. He's a lunatic. All you people saying he was spied on were crazy. New York, the New York Times uh, was, was, were big advocates of the collusion hoax. Why would the New York Times come out now and say conclusively that Papadopoulos and therefore the Trump team had been spied on? Ladies and gentlemen, they're doing this for one reason and one reason only. There's a new sheriff in town, folks. He came walking in like like Wyatt Earp came walking into Tombstone. Oh, no. That's right. Oh, yeah. And his name is William Barr. <laughs> and Bill Barr is now, unlike our, some feckless prior uh, Department of Justice officials who refused to do anything about it, is now looking into the spying scandal. And as Kim Strassel says in her piece in the Wall Street Journal today, there are a lot of people with a lot to lose from this scandal. The New York Times is trying to get out in front of it by, remember what we talked about yesterday, framing the narrative. Mm -hmm. The narrative going forward now. Remember the old hotness, the old narrative? There was no spying. You're all nuts. You're all conspiracy mm -hmm. theorists. You had Chris Wallace personally attack George Papadopoulos for saying he was spied on. By the way, Chris Wallace from MSDNC will wait for your apology to George, you knucklehead. You embarrassing hack. You better apologize, you goof. Personally attack Papadopoulos for telling the truth about being spied on. Personally attacked him. You have this George Papadopoulos out there spouting off about being spied on. You mean because he was actually spied on? So the old hotness was, on the liberal side and the media side, was all you guys and ladies talking about spying, you're all lunatics and conspiracy theorists. Now that this is confirmed, because Barb is going to put it out anyway, the New York Times has to get in front of it. And the new hotness is going to be, it only happened, Joe, the spying. So yes, spying happened, because it was a, quote, frantic period <gasps> to determine the scope of Russia's attempt to disrupt the 2016 election. No, no, no. Do not accept this, not for a second. Yeah. Not for a second. Ladies and gentlemen, franticness during an election is not an excuse to crap on the Constitution and throw the rights of George Papadopoulos and others out the window. That is no excuse. Are you suggesting to me the New York Times with a straight face and the FBI and DOJ hacks at the top, not the workers, I'm talking about the hacks at the top who did this, who leaked this story. Are you suggesting to me that the Constitution doesn't matter when things get frantic? That's the only time it's supposed to matter. Your big R God-given rights only matter when everything's peace and calm and tranquil? Are you me? I had to cut myself off there. Good catch. Are you kidding me? Our constitutional rights to assemble, to practice our religion, to speak, and to be free from illegal search and seizure? 
to be spied on by our government, to collect our thoughts, our papers, our documents, that that only matters as long as things aren't frantic? Where are you media people? Why didn't you challenge this? So we thought the Russians were interfering in our election. Fine. The extent of which is open for dispute, but I have no doubt the Russians are a foe of ours and that they try to impact our election and cause chaos. None. I wrote a book about it. We talked about mutually assured intelligence destruction. The Russians want to gather intelligence all the time on us to to harm us. So you're suggesting the Russians ongoing attempts to harm us, Joe. This is what they're saying? That this goes on all the time. So that in every election we should do what? Start spying on political people to determine the disruption attempts in the election? Mm. Are you kidding? This is a disgrace. The New York Times gets nothing from me. They get no pat on the back. They get nothing. These are late to the party hacks who are only trying to get out in front of the story because they know the real story is coming out no matter what. I don't care how you feel about George. I made my feelings clear from the start. I think George is a decent guy who got caught up with the fully weaponized power of the government trying to entrap him because he signed on to a political campaign. But even if you can't stand George Papadopoulos, are you telling me his rights doesn't matter? His rights don't matter because things got frantic? Put your big boy pants on in the FBI and the DOJ and figure out how to work around your franticness. Don't be the bed hitter, as we talked about the other day, and put an S in front of it. Things got frantic when I was in the Secret Service all the time. We didn't throw people's civil liberties out the window and start cracking skulls like a bunch of jackbooted thugs. You have to operate within the law. This is a constitutional republic. This isn't Venezuela. We're not the Maduro regime. Put your big boy pants on, Peter Stroke and Jim Comey and McCabe. What, you guys couldn't keep your, 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 uh, your colon contained? Because you were frantic about the Russian interference and what, $30,000 in Facebook ads in a $2 billion campaign? That's what makes you frantic? Do me a favor. Turn in your badge, turn in your commission book, and please turn in your firearm. Because if that makes you frantic, the people out there who work for a living and have to get frantic every week when they can't pay their damn bills or fix their kids' teeth or get a surgery they need or put food on the table, they're laughing at you idiots right now. We were frantic. You're chumps. Cowards, you're not worthy of the badge, and you're a disgrace to every fantastic, dedicated, patriotic intelligence official and law enforcement official out there who goes and does their job the right way every day, despite being frantic in their own house to feed their kids and keep their heads above water for crap salaries. How do you think this cop in Missouri feels getting paid? $30,000 a year. It's probably Some of them probably eligible for government benefits. They get paid crap to go out there every day and basically put a target on their chest to keep their community safe. And you're crap in the bed because the Russians are trying to interfere in our election, which they've been doing forever? And the New York slimes is sitting here covering for you? Things are frantic. You... Oh, I want to say this word so bad, but I desperately want to keep this show family friendly. Oh, I think you know the word. Yeah. Kittens. Yeah. Disgusting. The Constitutional Republic only matters when things are frantic.
What, your right to speak out only matters when speaking is non-controversial? Your right to petition the government only matters when? When the government agrees with you? Your right to practice religion, what, only matters when the left agrees with your religion? And what's the point? What's the point of any of this? You got to call a guy on a cell phone at 6 o'clock in the morning to get an answer as to why he was spied on by our government because they were frantic? What a bunch of chumps. Cowardly chumps. And I know because I talk to FBI personnel. And I have no problem telling you that. They are absolutely disgusted. Disgusted. I'm telling you, I don't care how many emails I get. Some people say, stop the... I won't because I know these people. And they are very good people. Some of them screwed up. Every agency has a few idiots. But they are disgusted by what happened in their name. It's a total disgrace. And tell me again how John Brennan didn't know what was going on from the CIA. How did the upper echelons of the CIA let this happen? Cohen, Brennan, how did they let this happen? Ladies and gentlemen, let me let you in on a little secret here. There is no way an overseas intelligence operation We just spoke to Papadopoulos. We now know, according to the New York Times, this meeting was in London. London. Folks, there is simply no way the United Kingdom was not involved in this intelligence operation. There is no way. It is time for them to come clean. I have no beef with the British. It's a wonderful country. But it is time for them, Joe, to come clean here. There is no way a United States intelligence operation directed at a U.S. citizen happened in one of your cities, London, and you knew nothing about it. There is no way. And a friend of mine who texted me yesterday, he knows who he is. I'm not going to give his story. It's his story to run with. But it's indicated to me that our inkling that the U.K. involvement in this was heavy is probably, quote, worse than we know. Oh. Yeah, I got the text yesterday. I'll let him cover. I don't break other people's news. And he's been very good on that. He knows who he is. Secondly, Joe, there is no way, according to an FBI source of mine, that a domestic U.S. citizen and a domestic law enforcement agency at the FBI is running an intelligence op directed at Papadopoulos overseas in London without the full knowledge of the Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA and John Brennan. There is no way, ladies and gentlemen. It is entirely implausible. Now do you get why Kim Strassel's piece in the Wall Street Journal today is so important? Do you know how many people are going to go down with this when Barr opens up the books? No way, folks. There's no way they didn't know. All right, um, I got more on this. I mean, you have to pay for the show. Um, so again, I want to thank George Papadopoulos for answering the show. Again, one last time, please pick up his book, Deep State Target. He was kind enough. It's He lives in LA, so he's three hours behind me on Eastern Time. And we recorded the show um, early today, uh, about an hour earlier. So thanks for doing that. Pick up his book, Deep State Target, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, please. Um, All right, folks, today's show is brought to you by buddies at iTarget. Listen, if you're going to own a firearm, the only way to do it is to own it safely and to be proficient with it. It's the only way. Now, 
iTarget is a way to practice your proficiency. Now, you can go to the range, and you should go to the range. The range is great, but the range can be expensive. You have to buy the ammunition. You have to drive back and forth. Sometimes there's not a range close to you. I get it. What better way to practice than the safety of security of your home or anywhere else? Now, iTarget will provide you that system. What is the iTarget system? First, the website is the letter iTargetPro.com. That's iTargetPro.com. I can't say enough about this system. I spent... 20 years of my life practicing with a firearm as a federal agent and with the NYPD. And I have to tell you, there's not a system out there that I've used that is better at improving my proficiency. Even if you're an expert shooter, this will do wonders for you. What is it? The iTarget Pro system is a laser round they will send you. It goes in the firearm you have now. You safely unload your firearm, whatever it may be. No manipulations necessary. You have a 9mm, 40 caliber, whatever it may be. They will send you a laser round and a target that comes with it. The laser round goes in your empty firearm. You check it. You check it twice. You check it three times. You look away. There's no room for error there. You drop that uh, laser round into the chamber, and then you can dry fire. It's inert. The round is, it's a laser round. It doesn't go anywhere, but it emits a laser, and you will now see where that round would have gone. You get what I'm saying here? You're dry firing. There's no live rounds. You can practice. You always, of course, always point that firearm in a safe direction, regardless of where you are. But you, you, it comes with a target, and it's like dry firing, but now you can see where the rounds would have gone. They'll be recorded on a phone app. It is so easy to use. People who pick up this system cannot say enough about it. My father loves it. His proficiency, he had some issues with his proficiency. I love you, Dad, but he was a little rough with that. <laughs> he is now pinpoint accurate. I'm serious. I love my father, but he was a little rough with it. This thing cleaned him up right away. Go to itargetpro.com. That's the letter, itargetpro.com. Use promo code DAN, and you get a nice discount at 10%. Ladies and gentlemen, if you own a firearm, you need this system. itargetpro.com. Use promo code DAN and save 10%. Okay, one final thought on this. I'm going to move on. Yeah, finally. Here I know. Go. Joe, everybody's waiting for the bell to ring. But that was just, we've never run a show like this. We're like, yeah, no. it's just called George on the air. You know, I hope the audio, I, I folks, I get it, Joe. And one, let me just say, in defense of my, my good friend, uh, uh, Joe Armacost, if the audio's a little low, that was a legit, it was not a gimmick, okay? No. That was legitimately my cell phone up to the mic. It is not Joe's fault if the audio is, is sounds a little phony because it was a phone. <laughs> I don't mean phony fake. I mean like phony like telephone. So that was a legit. And I tried to restate what he was saying, understanding it's going to be a little low. But I wanted to make sure I got it from the horse's Thanks, mouth. Bro. One final thought on this, which Georgian, yeah, I want to make, because you know Joe, people email me all the time. Joe's great. Audio's great. And I don't want him to email me complaints. It's not his fault. It's mine for doing it that way. Um, and maybe we'll try to get George on the air next week a little more officially. So we'll see if we can work that out. Um he ended with one very important point. Ladies and gentlemen, the next shoe to drop on this is going to be critical. We now know, not just that the Trump campaign was spied on. Matter of fact, a, 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 a guy I, I work with, I'm not going to say where or give up who it is. He listens to the show sometimes, texted me last night. He said it was a joke. He texted me, Dan, breaking. The Trump campaign was spied on. My <laughs> wife and I laughed our butts off because it's only breaking to idiots, of course. He was, you know, he was being funny about it. It's not just that the Trump campaign was spied on, ladies and gentlemen. It's now that the Trump campaign was spied on repeatedly. <laughs> they were using national security letters, the Obama administration, to demand documents about the Trump campaign. They issued multiple FISA warrants to spy on Carter Page, a Trump campaign foreign policy advisor, and then likely use the two-hop rule to jump from Page to others to others to monitor their communications as well. We know a human intelligence asset, otherwise known as a spy named Stefan Halper with deep intelligence connections in the United States, excuse me, was working to recruit Carter Page 
interviewed, um, uh, met with Sam Clovis, a Trump campaign official in Iowa, and also met with George Papadopoulos, as we now know, where he brings Azra Turk, who we now know is a U.S. intelligence asset. But folks, I just indicated to you four instances where the Trump team was spied on. I'm telling you, this isn't even the big one. The big dog, which is going to drop soon, the real big dog that bites is going to be who the heck was Joseph Mifsud. This is how the whole thing starts. When George Papadopoulos in April of 2016, remember the meeting he's talking about in the New York Times with Azra Turk, the intelligence asset, now confirmed, is in September. April's before September for the liberals listening. (laughs) Mifsud meets with Papadopoulos in April. The FBI, the media, and the Democrats, and the anti-Trump Republicans' whole entire collusion story is that Mifsud was a Russian trying to give Papadopoulos information, was working with the Russians, to be precise. Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot say to you enough, you heard it here first a long time ago. Mifsud was not working with the Russians on this task. Mifsud was a Western intelligence asset, a friendly. In other words, Papadopoulos was being set up again. There's number five. That's the next shoe to drop. And watch how the New York Times frames that one when it comes out. Wait till that doozy comes out. All right, I've got a couple more stories. Um, do we have that ab- abortion video? I want to get to this before we move oh. on to the other stuff. Yeah, do we have, Apollo, do we have that? Okay, sorry, folks. I'm, the show, would, I don't mean to sound so scattershot today, but the Colin Papadopoulos uh, extemporaneously on the air kind of uh, threw off the, the flow of the show. Yeah, it was cool, though. Yeah, yeah well, I'm glad we got some answers from him. Um, moving on, though. I wanted to cover this yesterday. Ladies and gentlemen, the, the, the pro-abortion movement is, is just uh, sick. They've gotten deranged. I saw a video today on Facebook of, of Planned Parenthood supporters at a fetal graveyard, uh, a, a, dedic- a, 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 a pro-life dedication to, the, to, uh, to getting rid of the abortion movement where they, they put headstones for the, the babies whose lives were terminated in the womb. And Planned Parenthood's in there singing a pro-abortion song. One woman asks if they can pee on the, on the, on the headstone. Oh my I'm not gosh. kidding. Um, the pro-abortion movement is, is a grotesque uh, movement. They've gone from oh. the Bill Clinton era of let's make abortion safe, legal, and rare, which I don't agree with at all. Uh, life begins at conception. But they've moved on now to like celebrating abortion like it's some kind of a sacrament for them. I saw yesterday one of the most disturbing videos I've ever seen. This is Democrat um, legislator from Alabama, John Rogers. Listen to these absolutely horrifying comments Mr. Rogers has about abortion. All I'm saying to you, it ought to be a woman's choice. I'm not about to be as a male tell a woman what to do with her body. She has a right to make that decision herself. To rape the incest. Some kids are unwanted. So you kill them now, kill them later. You, you bring them in the world unwanted, unloved. You send them to the chair. So you kill them now, kill them later. But the bottom line is, is that I think we should be making this decision. I, I don't even... Some of you may wonder why I look up. That's where the monitor is. Yeah. I was watching. I don't even know what to say to that. 
We either kill him now or we kill him later, but we're going to kill him. You son of a... I don't. I. I don't even know. I don't even know how to. I seriously. Don't even, that is the sickest Ugh. thing I have ever heard. And I saw a tweet by Lila Rose, who's a dedicated pro-life activist, has been for many years now. This morning, and she really summed it up well. So, John Rogers from Alabama, who says we're either going to kill him in the womb or we're going to kill him later, because they're unwanted. Well, Lila Rose sums it up and says, in a society where adults don't want children. Maybe it's a problem, Joe, with the adults and not the children. Mm. Amen, mm-hmm. sister. Amen. We're going to kill him now or we're going to kill him later. Now, there's a follow-up video oh. where John Rogers uh, amazingly doubles down on 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 stupid. On It's not even stupid. It's horrific. I mean, stupid is an understatement. There are a lot of stupid things in politics. This is utterly horrific. There's a follow-up video where Rogers responding to, thankfully, Don Trump Jr. using his platform to come out and attack this, this disgraceful, disgraceful episode. Rogers responds to Don Trump Jr. And amazingly, he says this. Condemned your comments. Do you have a response to the president's son? Hey, that's an honor. <laughs> Don Trump Jr. did that. Thank God. Right on. That's let me know all right. Because I don't know that he's been right on since he's been here. May, uh, that proved the right to make a seat about abortion. Him being born, that proved the right to be. That's a very, very good defense I have for abortion right to him. Look, look at him and say, why don't you, you abort him when he was born? But you would have made that stupid statement, right? So, so his parents made a decision for him. Uh, that's the decision he made for him. So that's the first proof I got. <laughs> Mother of all right to have abortion. I had. They made a decision to have him, didn't they? They could have bought him, but they may see to keep it. So he's evidently uh, retarded. Uh, crazy. Donald Trump's son, uh, I, I know he's something wrong with that boy. I look at him tell something wrong with him. You see, hey, that's, a, that's the best defense I got for old boys. right there looking at him. Well, I, uh, yeah. Uh, all right. We, uh, uh, this is, again, me speechless. Like, what do you, what, how do you even respond to this guy? The Democrats in Alabama, I'm sorry, but th- th- this guy is a disgrace. This guy uh, this guy needs to be shunned completely. All right, let's get off this thing, because I'll start. It's a family-friendly show. And yeah, I'm with you, bro. my marbles here. Yeah, all right. I got a couple other things to cover. All right, um, today's show uh, finally brought to you by buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. Listen, big supporter of Brickhouse. Ah, where's my brick? I heard. Hold on a second. Handy, Here it is. Oh! I got, this is my box. I got a box. Check it out. Of all kinds of like gadgets and stuff down here, and sponsors <laughs> that send us excellent stuff. But foundation, this bottle, you can see the plastics on top uh, of foundation because I haven't opened it yet. I have about six or seven bottles. I have empty ones all over my house too. Oh, I got to turn it the other way because I love foundation. What is foundation? Foundation is a creatine ATP blend. I can tell you this is the finest nutrition supplement I've ever taken. I kid you not. Little Joe, Joe's son loves it. Joe loves it. I love it. Paula loves it. Um, but one of my uh, nephews drove all the way up from Fort Lauderdale to get a bottle of this stuff. He knows I have a few extras laying around. It is a creatine ATP blend. And what does it do, this product foundation? By the way, available at BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. What does foundation do? Foundation does three things. Makes you look better, feel better, and perform better. I kid you not. 
You don't believe the look better thing? All I ask is this. Before you buy the product, take a look in the mirror. Take a little mental snapshot. I call it the mirror test. See what you look like, right? Try the mirror. Try the product for seven days. You may not even need seven. If it takes a little bit of time to load in your system, the, the creatine, give it about seven days. Go back and look again. I promise you will be duly impressed. The reviews on the product for me have been spectacular. I love it. I get emails about it all the time. You will perform better in the gym. You don't believe me? Write down your numbers in the gym. Whatever exercise, push-ups, bench press, squat, whatever it may be, and then go back seven days later and write your numbers down again. You'll be like, wow, that's a big improvement. Perform better, makes you feel better too. I take it before the show in the morning. I get a nice little boost from it. I love foundation. Give it a shot. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Again, foundation, there it is. Comes in this black bottle. Love this product. Can't say enough about it. They have been with me from the beginning, BrickHouse, and they run a really tight ship. High quality products, the best nutrition supplements out there. Give it a shot. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Okay, um... The Ukraine story All right. we've been talking about has finally gone mainstream. Now, this is this is just hysterical. So last night, I'm, I'm, uh, it's, it's late. Paul and I have a really super busy weekend. We had a really, really busy day yesterday. We were both tired. I, I, I'm, my wife's a really hard worker, but I looked at her yesterday, and usually she's a late nighter. She's like the vampire of us. Mm. You know, she doesn't like to go to sleep before like 1130 or midnight. And it was about 10 o'clock. We're watching Laura Ingram, and I could see... The eyes, like the eyelids, like there are weights attached to them, right? She was tired. It had been a long day. But I was sitting there, and I'm reading some Twitter stuff, and I always go to select leftist accounts to see what they're thinking. And Dan Pfeiffer is one of them, former Obama administration official, who I'll tell you, I ran into, and in, in, uh, I remember in the White House, and was never rude or anything. It's not a personal thing. Guys, politics are just awful. I actually ran into him in a hotel once, and he gave me like a nod. But let's, listen, you're on the opposite side of this fight, so I'm sorry. Uh, but Dan Pfeiffer tweeted something out. Uh, And the tweet was unbelievable because it it shows you how the left is frightened about this Ukraine story and Joe Biden. Uh, The Biden story is this. um, And this is from this is how I can tell you this has gone mainstream. Here's a quote, uh, a tweet, excuse me, from Ken Vogel at Ken Vogel. This is a New York Times guy, a blue checkmark New York Times guy. He tweets out yesterday and this is what Pfeiffer was responding to. Pfeiffer is an old Obama administration official. I'm sorry if I didn't make that clear. Ken Vogel knew the Bidens are entangled in a Ukrainian corruption scandal. What, really? Oh my hey. gosh, Joe, we've only been talking about this for a year now. Um, Joe Biden pushed Ukraine to fire a prosecutor seen as corrupt, but the prosecutor had opened a case into a company that was paying Hunter Biden. The Bidens say they never discussed it. Now, again, this story, I'm not going to relitigate this one. We've talked about it on the show endlessly. It, it, he sums it up very nicely. Joe Biden's kid Hunter gets a job at Burisma, a Ukrainian natural gas company, conveniently right after Biden leaves Ukraine. Joe Biden. Wow. Timing is amazing. The payments to that gas company are being investigated by Ukrainians for potential corruption. The prosecutor investigating them. Joe Biden, in a public speech, admits he pushed to have fired. So, sounds legit to me, Joe. Hey. Only if you think corruption's legit. So we've been covering this story forever. Now it's gone mainstream, and the New York Times is picking it up. But what's interesting is Pfeiffer's response. Again, an Obama administration. He was responding to that tweet. Pfeiffer's response is that, oh, look at this. Rudy Giuliani, is, who's, by the way, obviously a Trump supporter, one of Trump's personal attorneys, was looking into information on this Ukraine thing. Now they're investigating. So? What? So what? So a supporter of Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani, by the way, me too, is looking 
to have investigated a potential case worth investigating? What's the problem? I don't get it. Fight. In other words, you get my point? Yeah. Pfeiffer's trying to make it out like this is some kind of a scandal that a Donald Trump supporter and a, and a, a, a surrogate for him in many respects in the media, one of his lawyers, is looking to have investigated an instance of, of potential corruption that involves Joe Biden. What, what Joe Biden's free from what? Uh, Joe Biden shouldn't be covered. He's a presidential candidate. So let me get this straight. And this is why I bring this up. All right. Tying it back to Papadopoulos. We should violate the civil liberties of Trump campaign officials and crap all over them because you think the Russians are really bad. Spy on them, send human spies, get FISA warrants, send national security letters, try to have FBI intel assets seduce them overseas or CIA assets. We're still not sure. We should do all of that based on no evidence at all that Papadopoulos did anything wrong. He did nothing wrong. He did not collude with the Russians. No one has ever charged him with that at all. But we should violate his civil liberties. But in a case where the Ukrainians, Ukrainian sources have already admitted to John Solomon, excellent reporter at the Hill, that they were pressured to drop a case against the former vice president and current candidate for the president of the United States, Joe Biden. They were pressured to drop a case against his kid for potentially significant criminal activity. We'll see where these allegations go. Everybody's entitled to the presumption of innocence, unlike the left. But we should let that go because Dan Pfeiffer says so? I don't get it, Joe. Spy on the other guys with no evidence. Yeah. But although there's reams of evidence against your guy, let's make that case go away because Rudy Giuliani thinks it's interesting. It seems weird Why a little bit. Why wouldn't he think it was interesting? They're very <laughs> weird. weird. Of course it's interesting. Rudy Giuliani's a free citizen. He's a free man. He's entitled to find whatever he wants interesting. But unlike the uh, Obama administration, Rudy Giuliani isn't running foreign spies against Ukrainians overseas or Hunter Biden. <laughs> the irony here is so thick. By the way, it's another John Solomon piece yeah. out in the Hill. Um, we can now confirm this is this is just amazing. You know, it's, again, the Democrats and the liberals always accuse you of what they're guilty of themselves every single time. Yes, sir. What did we tell you from the start? The real collusion scandal was between Ukrainians and the Democrats and Russians and the Democrats. Now, John Solomon, yesterday, The Hill, I'll have the story in the show notes. Please read it, Bongino.com. Check it out. The show notes are attached to the podcast, by the way, in the menu. You can see them right there. Ukrainian embassy confirms DNC contractor solicited Trump dirt in 2016. Uh, folks, I this is, you know, hat tip to DC and Matt from, you know, for uh, helping me out with the first book, Spygate. We cover this at length. Solomon's piece is damning. There was a woman working with the DNC, the Democrat National Committee by the name of Alexandra Chalupa, who now Ukrainian officials are confirming was attempting to collude with Ukrainian officials and the Ukrainian president and Ukrainian political representatives to get them to push out to the press stories about Donald Trump team members and their criminal activities, basically Paul Manafort. Follow what I'm telling you here. I, 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 I Forgive me, I know because it's in my first book, so I, I write about this at length, but... What Chalupa, according to Hill, the John Solomon story, the Hill was trying to do. Again, she's at the DNC. Mm -hmm. She's working for the Democrats. Nobody disputes this. 
She then leaves the DNC, Joe, to work on a project. Mm-hmm. Ukrainian officials are saying she was trying to get Poroshenko, the Ukrainian political leader, to take a question at a, at a presser on Paul Manafort because Chalupa, former DNC official, wanted pushed into the American media environment the allegation that Manafort and, by proxy, Trump were colluding with the Russians. You get it? Mm-hmm. They were pushing Ukrainian officials to answer or take mm-hmm. a question from a press person. They were going to ask this question. Maybe an analogy works better. If I want to, uh, you know, uh, accuse Joe of bank robbery, he didn't rob a bank, mm-hmm. and I go and bribe someone to ask the local police sheriff about a, a you know, hey, ask someone, uh, a media guy, ask the police, the local sheriff, if Joe, if you know about Joe Armacost right. robbing a bank, even though he didn't rob a bank, what's going to happen? The press is going to report on the story. Hey, why did the local sheriff bring up this guy's name and re- with with regards to robbing a bank? That's what they wanted. Yeah. Chalupa is working with the media to ask Ukrainians a question about Manafort and Trump and Russians because they want the Russian Manafort story out there in the media. The Ukrainians are now admitting they were being pressured to do this. Wait, I thought foreign collusion was a big deal. Apparently not, Joe. Apparently foreign collusion is only a big deal. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a big deal. Exactly. What, what, it's only a big deal when it's allegations against the Trump campaign, which have been refuted and widely disputed. Um, one quick note on this before I get to our last story on the economy, because I want to leave you with some good news for the weekend. Uh, quick note on the Mueller probe. So we now know the Mueller probe, uh, probe is wrapping up. Well, it's, it's wrapped up. Excuse me. It's, it was, this is a text from from George. That could be for calling him. So that was what that thing was in the background. <laughs> right. Mueller probes wrapped up. We've seen the report. I'm hearing also from from some people out there. Uh, again, I, they didn't give me permission to use their name, so I'm not going to bring it up. That Mueller is upset right now at Nancy Pelosi. I, I don't know about this. I'm I'm a little bit skeptical of this story. But what I'm hearing, and you're my audience, and I love to pass you stuff, and I'd be remiss if I didn't pass this on. Pelosi has now accused publicly Bill Barr of lying to Congress. She's accused him of a crime in lying to Congress about his interactions with Mueller. Just to give you a quick background on this. All right. Mueller had stated previously to Charlie Crist in a congressional hearing under oath that he was unaware of any of Mueller's concerns about his summary of Mueller's report. Does that make sense, Joe? Yeah. Barr issues a summary of Mueller's report. Mm -hmm. Charlie Chris asked him, well, was Mueller concerned at all about your summary? Barr said basically, no, he's not. Well, a letter then comes out, which you know about, we addressed it, from Mueller's team saying, hey, we have some concerns about the report. So Pelosi now saying, look, Barr was lying. Barr's point is, I'm not lying. I talked directly to Mueller, and Mueller didn't say that. I'm hearing... Now that Mueller is now upset with Pelosi for saying that Barr was lying. Now, I, again, I'm skeptical because I don't believe Mueller at, at this point. It, I, I believe he's entirely, completely neck deep in this thing and is totally committed to taking down Trump. I'd be astonished. The only reason I bring this up is because if the source I had on this is right, and he may be, then Mueller should come out and make some kind of a public statement. Right, Joe? Trying to clear the air? Yeah, please. Hey, 
I am Bill. I did not. Bill Barr did not lie. This is what I told Bill Barr. Bill Barr was honest in front of Congress. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So we'll know in the few in the next few days if if that story is in fact true. I will be astonished. I hope it happens. Believe me. But I would be lying to you if I wouldn't say I will be surprised and stunned if Mueller in fact comes out and makes any statement defending Bill Barr. I'd be shocked because I just believe Mueller's too knee deep in this trying to destroy Donald Trump thing. All right, but I want to make sure I got that out there. All right, uh, last story of the day. So CNBC had a great article out yesterday about some just incredible economic numbers. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the bit of the downside first. Again, their debt situation's perilous. If we don't get a hold of our government spending, we're going to be bankrupt. So these economic numbers are great. I love them, but we're going to have to grow a whole lot faster to get out of this uh, abyss we're in if we don't control spending. But having said that, bad news first, good news last. The economy right now is on fire. Uh, completely on fire. CNBC, and I, I use CNBC for a reason, not because they're in any way unbiased, but I love using left-leaning sources because it just goes to show you how even the left right now cannot stop the economic freight train coming down the path after the Trump uh, administration got into office. U.S. first quarter productivity rises at the fastest pace since 2014. Labor costs fall. I want to explain to you what's going on here. Productivity is through the roof right now. We saw productivity grow in the first quarter at a 3.6% annualized rate. Now, numbers are great, but they're faceless, right? Uh, from the CNBC piece, the Labor Department said on Thursday, non-farm productivity, which measures hourly output per worker, increased at 3.6% annualized rate in the last quarter. This was the strongest pace since the third quarter of 2014. What is productivity? Why does an enhancement, 3.6% enhancement productivity matter? Productivity is very simply this. The ability in your factory or your service industry, whatever, maybe use factories because sometimes when you can visualize products, it's easier. Services are kind of tougher to visualize. It's the ability in your factory to get more output from the same or lesser inputs. In other words, productivity is the ability to, Joe, produce more. Okay. It's the ability to Joe. Like, what do you mean it's the ability to Joe? For, uh, Joe is Joe is some <laughs> Joe, for the news listener. Joe is the you know obviously the producer. Here. <laughs> it's the ability to in a factory. Let's say you use a product everybody understands cars. If your factory, your GM or Ford factory, whatever it may be, produces one hundred cars a day. I don't know the number. I never worked in a car factory. Eh, sounds good. But due to a new training program, computer enhancement. Quicker assembly line, assembly line procedure. Now your car, your your factory produces 110 cars a day. Your factory is more productive. Okay, that's what productivity is. Now, why is this important? Because, ladies and gentlemen, any society's wealth, collective wealth, is based on what they produce. It's not hard to figure out. It's hard for liberals, but for the same people listening to my show. Your wealth is based on what you own. I'm, listen, I'm not going to get into like the, the, the moral and, and deeply philosophical. Well, it's also based on your happy. Great. Listen, I love being happy and I'd exchange more wealth for more happiness. Anything. I'm talking about economics here. I'm not talking about metaphysical stuff. Okay. Your wealth is based on what you own economically and financially. You own a home. If it's a more expensive home with more amenities, you are generally wealthier. You own a car that's $70,000 versus a car that's $20,000. It generally has more things in it, more amenities, and therefore you are wealthier. But in order to own those items, they have to be produced. Mm-hmm. You know, Say's law, production creates its own demand, right? 
You have to produce stuff. So to produce stuff and more stuff every year for a growing society that requires more products and services, you need productivity or production to grow. Productivity is the hallmark, the heartbeat of any wealthy society. There isn't a wealthy society out there, Joe, that doesn't produce stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> Again, liberals have... I, I'm sorry we have to get so basic, but liberals, some of them will listen to the show, have a really tough time with this stuff. <laughs> so the Trump administration is now firing on all cylinders. The Obama administration had sporadic bouts of productivity, but we've now seen non-farm productivity. In other words, not, we're not talking about the food industry here. We're talking about tangible, durable goods and services. We've now seen a sustained bump in productivity in the Trump administration, meaning there are more products out there. Now, this is twofold in its benefit to society. Number one, we produce more stuff. More food in the farm case, which is not in that number, but more services, more medicines, more entertainment, better cars. Uh So the first one's obvious. The benefit to society by this Trump administration boom in productivity is we get more stuff. It's better quality. It's higher quality. But productivity has two positive benefits. It has a lot, but the two big ones are not only does it make us richer because we have better stuff, Joe, but it makes us richer. Remember Say's Law, production creates its own demand. Look up Say's Law, folks, before you tune into the next show or, you know, or pause now and read it. It's, it, it, dictate, it, it explains everything. Thomas Sowell has a great uh, college dissertation about it I read, which is fantastic. <laughs> It also makes the employees producing the stuff wealthier. Now, if you can put up that snippet from the piece again, or just, you know what, I'm sorry, put up the headline of the piece. You'll notice at the end of the headline, it said labor unit costs fell as well. Labor costs fall. There it is right there. Well, how's that? And how does that relate to why it makes you as an employee of a company producing more stuff wealthier? Well, Joe, I'll ask you a simple question. If you're on an assembly line and you're one assembly line, you're producing 100 cars a day. Joe works on the assembly line. And on a second assembly line, say you have two jobs, you produce 110 cars a day, Mm -hmm. all other factors being equal. Are you more valuable producing 110 cars a day or producing 100? Dan, I'll go with the... What is it, 110, 104, whatever, the, the more. Yes. Yeah, the more, the merrier. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, I'm not messing yeah. with it. Joe's more valuable to the company producing more cars, right. which they can sell, which makes Joe, as an employee, more valuable. <laughs> it makes his labor unit costs go down. If Joe was being paid $50 an hour to produce 100 cars, when you factor in his labor cost per car, it's a lesser labor cost there when scattered go. over more cars. It's not hard to figure out. Again, liberals have a tough time with basic math. Conservatives don't. If Joe's getting paid $50 an hour producing more cars, his labor's worth more, and the company is paying less per car for his labor because he's producing more cars. Yeah. Joe can cut his labor unit costs in half by producing twice as many cars, which makes him more valuable. Which makes him, which gives him, to be more precise, leverage in salary negotiations. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? Joe was worth this to us before at 110 cars, but he's worth a lot more now that he's producing 150 cars. We're going to have to give him a raise. That's why wages under the Trump administration, unlike the Obama administration, are going up. 
So not only now is there more stuff out there for you to buy and better quality stuff, Mm -hmm. but you now have more money because your labor's more valuable and you're going to be paid more to buy and purchase said stuff. I can stop robbing banks. Yes, please. The show, you've robbed like 50 banks during the show. My gosh, I even had a guy, someone you and I both know in the industry call me. They get a kick out of how I always indict Joe for all these crimes. He's the only one out there. I'm sorry. Folks, Joe can stop robbing banks. He's making more money. He's more valuable. I mean, think about it, right, Joey? Just in the case of of you and I, uh, you were more valuable to me when you were, we were, now that we're doing this many listens and downloads. Mm -hmm. Than you were a few years ago. Of course. And again, I don't mean that our friendship. No. Joe's my friend. It doesn't matter. Joe's been with me forever. No. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about pure numbers here. Right. He becomes more valuable. He can sell his services, Joe, elsewhere to people. Mm-hmm. You do a podcast while well, I work at the Dan Bongino show. That didn't matter five years ago when we were doing 100 downloads a show. Right. Now when we're doing a lot, like <laughs> hundreds of thousands <laughs> of times more sometimes. <laughs> Joe can say, hey, oh, the dead boy, oh, I know that one. He's more valuable. It's as simple as that. All right, folks, that was, I just want to leave you on a good note. The economy is booming. Thanks to Donald Trump keeping uh, keeping the country, the horse blinders on straight ahead when it comes to the economy. Straight ahead. Cut the red tape. Cut the taxes. No more BS. Hey, thanks again for tuning in this week. Uh, again, I really want to thank George Papadopoulos. Yeah. Please pick up his book, Deep State Target. We'll put the link in the show notes. Thanks again for answering the phone. I'll answer your text here in a minute. Uh, it was Although it was a phone interview and, and, and impromptu, I hope you all got the, uh, got the gist of it. Please subscribe to our uh, YouTube account, youtube.com slash Bongino, and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. The subscriptions that would drive us up the chart, and it is absolutely free, no cost to you. Please subscribe. Thanks a lot, folks. I'll see you all on Monday. Good day, sir. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud, and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.